The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk, WNRI, 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host, John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to lunchtime. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. It's John DePietro. This portion of our program is brought by Henry Oil. Since 1947, full-service fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service, automatic delivery budget plans, lock and cap pricing. Call Henry Oil today. Serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. It's Lori. It's Carmine. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Always online at henryoil.com. Providence Journal this morning. GOP House leader. Rogue Assembly runs unlawfully. Legal fight over control of the General Assembly's $45 million budget and operation started with a disputed audit of the Rhode Island Convention Center is escalating. Yesterday, House Republicans said Democrat leaders, both chambers, have rejected a request to convene a meeting of the Joint Committee on Legislative Services, known as GCLS. Group of the five top lawmakers control committee hasn't met in more than a decade who called that news conference i'll tell you folks the defender of the faith the guy that is leading the charge the man of the people the person that is bringing faith back to ethics in government is house minority leader our guy blake Filippi. good afternoon representative Filippi. good afternoon john and your guests how's it feel to have the weight of the state everyone depending on you to follow through and do what's right. I don't know about that. I can only tell you it feels good to defend the rule of law. Do you accept this mantle that has been put upon you by our Lord and Savior? No, no, I don't. Oh, all right, all right. Now, go I ahead. Don't. Tell I'm us about the press job, conference yesterday. John. All right, go ahead. I'm just doing my job. I'll tell us about the press conference yesterday. Yeah, so, you know, we filed a lawsuit about three weeks ago yes. in relation to Speaker Mattiello's illegal audit. Uh, we, the lawsuit concerned the legal audit, but it also concerned the core underlying issue, which is the Speaker has been exercising the statutory authority of JCLS to manage this building. $46.5 million a year. It's a thing that affects all things. It affects all legislators. How that money is spent ripples out all over the state. So... The core issue is that we believe the JCLS must actually meet and vote on how to spend that money. We think it's clear from the statutes. Uh, We think it's clear that this speaker and prior speakers have been unilaterally exercising that statutory authority of JCLS. And, you know, in in a a good faith attempt to resolve our lawsuit, uh, last week I sent a notice to Speaker Mattiello, Leader Sicarci on the House side, Senate President Ruggiero and Senate Minority Leader Algier on the Senate side asking for a meeting with the express purpose of setting uh, bi-monthly meeting dates going forward. Six times a year I want to meet. Um, I think that would have resolved most of the issues in my lawsuit because my lawsuit is essentially saying JCLS doesn't meet, so we need to come to court because they're taking action without meeting. If they had come to the meeting and we had uh, agreed on a schedule of meetings, most of the issues in our lawsuit would be resolved. Uh, but my four counterparts refused to come, and so that just shows the necessity of our lawsuit, that we're at the point where we need judicial intervention uh, because our counterparts are, are frankly just breaking the law. And I want to make sure everybody understands this. And again, folks, good afternoon on this uh, Friday. It's on the live with us is House Minority Leader Blake Flippy. What I, think, I don't think a lot of people understand, and sometimes it, it shows itself, for instance, when hear, people hear about this grant program where uh, Ray Gallison ended up doing federal time because he was actually pilfering and bringing, you know, getting grant money, and he was basically running it himself, that money was taken out of that general operational budget for the State House, known as JCLS, of $46 million. Is that correct? So not the, there's different types of grants. So there's some grants that are in our state budget. That's the one that got Gallison all tied up. Yes. Uh, the legislative grants, the ones that, you know, it's like 
$10,000 to this little right. Sure. That, those are all from JCLS. Right, that's what I'm saying. So it is yeah. under the thing. And here's my point is, last spring, you had the situation of the doctor, chiropractor doctor on Park Avenue that we found out, and no one knew. Of all the people going through the budget, or a lot of, I should say most people didn't know, but whether the media or anyone else, that somewhere tucked in this $46 million was $1 million earmarked for this Dr. Vic Pedro. Now, no, 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 John, I got, I got to correct you. So that was in our state budget. It was not in JCLS. It's not in JCLS. That was not in JCLS. Okay. Then that, what? That, that was in our state budget as almost like a state meta, Medicare. Um, a oh, Medicare. so that was buried away into somewhere within the state budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, okay. way deep. And not even the budget we passed. It was in like the ancillary documents. All right. Now, the JCLS budget, for instance, just within the last month, um, Democrat spokesman, former chairman Bill Lynch, his daughter, Blair Lynch, and I read this, uh, Ted Nisi reported on it, Kathy Gregg, Blair Lynch was given a $60,000 a year job for JCLS. Her salary is contained in that $46 million JCLS budget. I'm sorry, say that again, John, you broke up. Blair Lynch, yes, who now works for JCLS, Bill Lynch's daughter, her, she was just... Ted Nisi, Kathy Gregg reported she receives $46,000 a year for JCLS. Her salary would be paid out of that JCLS budget. Correct. Okay. Capital TV, the people that operate when we get to watch everything going on there, their salaries are paid out of that JCLS budget. Correct. Okay. So anyone that works basically at the state house, and that also goes for the money that goes to the reps and the senators and everyone else that does business up there, works at the speaker's office, Skenyon, Montanaro, all of their salaries are paid with this $46 million. Correct. Okay. Now, but is it, is it, is a lot of it non-transparent, so is it tough to tell where all of the money goes? So the problem, no, you can obtain documents showing who gets paid what. Okay. They're, they're subject to public review. The problem is that those commitments are always made uh, without any public input and without input of the JCLS members. Okay. So you can come in here and you can request, you know, I want to know how much all these people are getting paid. It's, it's actually on our state's transparency portal, but you don't, there's no public posting process for the jobs beforehand. They're, you know, they're handed out. Um, by leadership without consultation of even other members of JCLS. Now, take us through, you want to have a meeting, and now this is the, it basically they are refusing to meet because you are taking them to court because you want to meet with them. Take us through that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the Senate members said they, they don't, they want to meet, but they won't meet while my lawsuit is pending. The other House members said, um, we're not going to meet if the Senate's not going to meet. You know, so, Blake, you, you know, the Senate's saying you should dismiss your lawsuit, then we'll meet. Um, my position is that my lawsuit will be resolved if we meet, and if I dismiss my lawsuit, there's no way to really seek redress if you refuse to meet. Um, I think it's clear that this, this organization, JCLS, is spending money. It's not legally authorized to do. It's taking action. It's not legally authorized to do. I put forward a way to resolve our disputes and was rebuffed and our remedy now is in the courts and is it is it impossible to find out if they're spending that money without getting an audit of them is it possible to so my understanding is the last time jcls was audited was back in 2003 so wow. how 2003 it was the last time it was audited and i just found that out recently and so in other words we, we don't have, here's what I'm trying to get at. We don't have a firm handle on how they spend that $46 million. No, you, you, can, you can determine it, John. Like, there's, there's documents, there are public documents. You know, there's, there's a budget that is, is adopted by the Speaker's office that says how the money's going to be spent. You know, it's subject to access the Public Records Act requests. You know, I know Ian Donis at the Public Radio, he did a story recently about how many people from Cranston are employed up here. So the information is public. The problem that's not, that what's not public is that is the, the decision-making processes which lead to those expenditures. I see. Okay. And it's not public, and, it, and also critically, it's not voted on by the members of JCLS 
who have the specific statutory authority to decide how the monies are spent. It's basically the, the powers of JCLS have been usurped by the Speaker's office. Okay. Now, take us through. If they had agreed to meet with you, what would you want to do if they had agreed to have, have a meeting? So, so the purpose of the meeting I wanted to have yesterday was to simply amend the JCLS rules and regulations to require that JCLS meets six times a year. And how come they don't want to meet? Because I, I think that for a long time, legislative leadership has enjoyed exercising JCLS's statutory authority, um, unlawfully exercising JCLS's statutory authority, and they don't want to give up the power. They don't want to have to have a public meeting where myself, maybe Senate Minority Leader Algier can say, you know, do we really need to hire this person? Do we really need to spend this money? I don't vote for it. They, they don't want that vetting process. They don't want to you know, give up control. So th- there's no process right now, and I think this is so significant that, in, in essence, Rep- uh, Minority Leader Filippi, th- there's no accountability. And seemingly, two people, House Speaker Nick Mattiello and Frank Montanaro, basically are unaccountable for a $46 million budget. Pretty much. Okay. So they could just, for no apparent reason, give someone a job, give someone a raise, add positions, add money for this or that. They, they could basically do that, and there's no one right now in a position that can look over their shoulder and question a lot of these decisions that are made. Well, I don't want to say no one. Because the members of JCLS have that power through the court system if they're denied their statutory rights. And, and that someone right now is, is myself in the minority caucus. You know, this is their, their refusal to meet, their desire not to have collaboration, which is statutory requ- statutorily required. You know, it, it makes my remedy a judicial one at this point. So, so there, you, there is a remedy. You're going to have to go to court to force them to sit down to meet with you, and they don't want to meet. So I don't know if the court can force them to sit down. The court can restrain them from doing things without meeting. So okay. it would essentially indirectly force them to meet because they wouldn't be able to do things without having a meeting. And are they saying to you, we'll meet, but you have to drop your lawsuit, which sounds yeah. like a trap? Yeah, I mean, listen, the speaker was on the Tara Granahan show, I think, on... January 26th or 24th, somewhere around then, saying, if Blake Flippy calls a meeting, we will meet. You know, the Senate is on record around that same time putting out a press release, you know, the Senate leadership saying, you know, we want to have a meeting. Um, so I, it's kind of like games are being played. You know, you either want to have a meeting and you, you come when a meeting's called, or you just be honest and say, no, we don't want to have a meeting. You know, they're kind of just playing a political game right now. Yeah. So the members are yourself. House Speaker Mattiello, Sakachi, Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, and Senate Republican Leader Dennis Algier. Yeah, three House members, two Senate members, and within that, uh, three Democrats, two Republicans. Where's Algier on this? Uh, he he didn't come to the meeting. Um, I think he's, um, you know, I think he's being careful. I think he's, you know, aligning with President Ruggiero and their know collaborating on how they want to respond i can't understand why they didn't come it, it doesn't make sense to me but you know everyone makes their own choices up here and you know he made a choice this these types of actions uh representative and folks for speak of representative blake flippy this is like it just seems like such games it's nonsense like the, 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 this type of stuff shouldn't be going on i mean they they, they shouldn't be allowed to control a budget, how do you have an organization where it hasn't met since 2003? Um, this is, where is the governor on this? Where is more talk on this? This is total fiefdom. You can't have government without any type of accountability. What's the point of having this organization if it's not going to meet? Um, th- this just stinks of, of really corruption to the highest levels. And it, it, it's ironic. You know, I said yesterday it's the height of hypocrisy that the lawmakers aren't following the law. You know, we pass laws here every day, which we expect the people outside to follow, subject to, you know, pain of fine or pain of imprisonment. But the laws which have been passed, which govern our actions in this building, 
are not being followed, clearly not being followed, indisputably not being followed. And it, it really is just, just the height of hypocrisy and, and irony. Here's what I'd like you to explain to people listening and taxpayers and so forth. What I'd like you to do is just explain to us how it should work. If everyone was an adult, if people were responsible, if there was nothing to hide, if this were a business, if everything was on the up and up, how should this JCLS operate and compared with how is it being operated now? Like, yeah, take us sure. through that. Sure. So the way it should operate is right. essentially like a, a corporate board of directors. We have monthly meetings or bi-monthly meetings where we sit down, we set a budget, and we delegate some responsibility to an executive director to execute that budget, like buying pens, pencils, the mundane things. We can delegate that authority. And the major decisions like hiring, salaries, uh, large purchases, renovations, computer systems, voting systems – uh, you know, we would retain the authority to make decisions on those. I mean, it's, it's, it's boards operate like this all over the country every day. It's, it's, it's not some novel concept. So that's how it should operate. How it operates now is that the speaker makes a decision and it gets executed and there's no consultation whatsoever with the board. Uh, can, I, can, I give a, can I ask like a bad analogy and maybe you just tell me if it's a bad analogy. You have, a, you have parents and you have a teenager. The teenager has poor grades, uh, maxed out on the credit cards, um, not, no job. The parents want to sit down with the teen, and the teen is basically refusing to meet because they have no interest in sitting down and discussing the credit cards are maxed out, poor grades, n no job. They want to just continue the party that's going on. Is, is, that, is that fair? I mean, yeah, in a, in a way, I guess, like, by your analogy, are you suggesting that, like, the uh, me and the court are the parents? Yes. You know, in, in, in a way. Yeah. In a way. I mean, um, it sounds like that, and I would think that this is, I mean, Frank Montanaro, who is the speaker's right-hand guy, and he really controls JCLS, it sounds like they, they want to operate, Rep. Filippi, in a manner that they don't want the party to end. They, they don't want anyone intervening in what they have going, and therefore th they have no interest in having any type of formal meeting where any of the spending, their actions that, that they're engaged with or that they're doing could in any way be called into question. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and it's not just them. Prior speakers, this has been going on for a long time. No, I understand if it's 2003. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a reason they don't want to have public meetings, and I just don't think they want to, you know, you lose their control. It's powerful to have control of JCLS. Like, yes. no one can discount how much power you have over the membership of the House and the Senate. You know, who gets an office? Who gets staff to help them out? Who gets what parking spot? You know, it, it's, it's amazing how much... How influential having resources is up here. You know, we're oh. a part-time legislature. You need staff to right. do your job well. If you remember the Reform Caucus, yes. no matter how you feel about them with you know, their political philosophy, once all that went down last year, you know, they came to the State House and all their stuff was in boxes in one room. They had right. all their offices just taken from them. And that was a decision that actually had to be voted on by JCLS. You know, it's office space and... Uh, Apportionment of office space is a specific statutory authority of JCLS, you know, but the speaker just did it himself. Um, and that, that's just one example. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Rep. Filippi, you know, I was speaking with a business person that said, it, it, you know, he was trying to compute and say it, it's, it's very rare. This is a business person. And he was saying, I'm trying to think of, to put this in perspective, companies – even successful companies, they don't have a budget to spend of $46 million to $50 million. That's a, a huge number that you get to spend. And he was trying to say and figure out the formula. And there is a formula, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was – there's a formula, and I think this would be helpful, in, in other words, to say – let's just say you were a private company. How much money – 
how much income revenue would you have to generate in order to have a budget for expenses and employees to basically equal somewhere to 46 to 50 million dollars i'm not trying to put you on the spot uh, do, do you know that offhand oh wow okay so if you look at like just the Let's say you're selling food, right? Yes. Like in the restaurant business, like your yep. food costs should be around 30%. Like your cost to run the place should be around 30%. And that's everything. Yeah. Supplies, yeah, employees. Oh, yeah, so like your cost of food should be 30%. At the end of the day, when you talk about electricity, all that stuff, you're over like 55, maybe 60%. So you're probably at like, if you're looking at it from a restaurant perspective. Yeah, let's say up, a restaurant. Up, upwards of $100 million in income. So $100 million in income. That would almost be half. So bringing in $100 million, a company that has does $100 million in revenue could have employee and other costs somewhere in the vicinity of 46 to $50 million. Yeah. And, and, and that's, a high, that, that's a low that's margin, a lot, though. Yeah, that is. I would think it could even be higher. But it, every, every industry is different. Yes. You know? It's just it's, it's about how you manage your expenses. I, th- I think the point is that if you're, you know, you have to spend, you know, your cost of goods sold essentially is, is $46.5 million. You better be bringing in a lot more revenue than that. So in an idea, if this were a corporate board, and I know they're going to say government o- operates differently, but just so people understand, if this were a corporate board... There would be some kind of oversight, and there are corporations. They get together, uh, they have different meetings, someone's appointed to the board, and basically it's, you know, they, they have a fiduciary uh, responsibility to the, to the shareholders to oversee how things are being run, what things are being spent on. Many times we, you know, it does make the news, Rep. Philippi, when we hear about sometimes the CEO that goes rogue, right, who suddenly gets the corporate jet, and there's all these expenses and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but in this particular situation, there's to not have a meeting, and, and it seems it's designed that way, that they don't want to have a meeting because they really don't want anyone questioning the way the money is spent. Is that fair? Yeah, they, they don't want anyone questioning their okay. decisions. Where, I, I think that's clear. Okay, where does this stand now? Does this go to court? Um, we, we, where exactly do, do, do things stand with this? So a court would almost have to compel them. Or you tell us, where does this stand? So it's in, So the, the lawsuit is filed in the Superior Court. We filed it probably three weeks ago, actually probably three weeks ago today, to stop the illegal audit. That lawsuit is pending, and our ultimate request for relief is to enjoin to stop uh, the speaker from unilaterally exercising the authority of JCLS. So essentially it would cease them from being able to make decisions without meeting and vote. Now, I also want to circle back. Um, you would like an audit of JCLS, correct? I mean, I haven't called for it, but I think if you look at the, the history, it hasn't been audited since 2003. I think I think it, it really does need to be audited, and the fact that it hasn't met and everyone's you know so loath to meet, I think just as belt and suspenders and for good government, we need to lead by example. I mean, the speaker said, I think a month ago that audits are great. You know, when he was calling for the audit of the convention center, no one should fear an audit. They're for good government. Um, I think we should lead by example on that. I, I think an order of JCLS is called for. Does JCLS do they have? A line item of petty cash? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge, but I don't want to say definitively. How would we, how would someone find that out? Let's just say I have someone is listening right now and they have nothing to do this afternoon. I, I, I don't even know where, where does someone even go on to find out something like that. Is that the type of thing that would come out in an audit? Maybe I should ask it that way. Yeah, definitely. If one of you list, I mean, it's, it's subject to the Access to Public Records Act. Um, you know, because it's essentially administrative in nature. So someone could submit an, what's called an APRA request, which is like our state-level Freedom of Information Act. Thank goodness. But there's no way to find it online. Not to my knowledge, no. Wow. But, you know, they have 10 days to respond to an APRA request. Yeah, but a lot of times they don't. And just the, fa- the, the fact that, you know, here it is. It's 2020. You and I are having a conversation. And there's no way to go online to see if out of this 46 to $50 million that there is some kind of a line item 
of petty cash. Every company has petty cash. It would very, it would, um, it'd be very conceivable and reasonable if there was some line item of petty cash. I would just be curious to know what that is. What about some of the, um, a lot of the catering when there's going to be an event at the state house? The catering is that the type of stuff that would come out of the JCLS budget? Yes. Yeah. So when when there's committee meetings and food is purchased, um, you know, when we're here late at night, there's dinner. Yes. And as it should. You know, I, I can't begrudge the fact that the people here need to eat. Right. No, I and I understand that. Let me just, if you don't mind, were you in the chamber yesterday when that whole outburst with Anastasia Williams? I literally left for a meeting right before it started. Yeah. So once we were done voting, I left and I heard about it that night. And you I watched I watched the video. Okay. Anything you want to share with us other than um you know, it's so distressing. People get really turned off by that stuff. It seems juvenile. Um, it, it makes people lose faith that that's possible even more in government. It, it gives the impression that things are not under control. Um, what, you know, the, never mind, you know, the, the assembly's not in session next week. What, what, you know, what exactly is going on up there with this type of... I, I just call it foolishness that this type of stuff is going on. I really think it's foolishness. I, w- I don't know all the facts behind it. I-, I don't know what was said to Representative Williams. I, I really don't. I- I- it's obviously distressing to see that type of rhetoric on the floor, but I, I, don't-, I don't know what caused it. I-, I really don't. Well, it's also like a play on word. I mean, and I don't want to, but if, if you go back in time, there, are, there was a time in this country when there was slavery, there were people that were slaves. And there were the slaves that were out in the field, and then there were the slaves that would be inside the house with whoever it is that had the plantation. And there were actually designated terms for that. Again, I'm talking about history. I'm talking about this is a part of American history. No one's proud of it. It happened. But then there's a term of such as like a a house slave compared to a slave that may be out in the field. But to someone, you, so you have the House of Representatives. If someone said to me that, just as an example, that a rep up there was a slave to the House, I would, I would interpret that to mean they are kind of in cahoots, on the same page, in bed, or whatever, on the, whatever you want to say, with the House leadership not harking back to slavery. So if someone said someone's a, a slave to the Senate leadership, I, I wouldn't think of that and interpret that. I would not. Granted, I'm Caucasian. As There's no connection to it. So when someone says someone's a, a, a slave to the House, I, 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 again, I don't know all the details. I don't know that Marsha Wrangland. But I, I, I would think that means it's someone who is on the side of House leadership, not that means if you go back to Alabama in 1830, that's the type of person that would be inside the House, not out in the fields on the plantation. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. Let's like set the table, too. These yeah. are two minority women that had this dispute. Um, I don't know what was said. I don't know. A lot of times it's not what you say, John. It's how you say it. I, it's a sensitive topic, especially if you're a minority, to have something like that implied about you or said about you. So I, I just don't know. I, I don't even want to comment on it. I don't have enough information. Um, all I can say that I agree, it was very distressing to see. Yeah. I just think it's another sign. I mean, and again, uh, folks, we, we're speaking with House Minority Leader Blake Filippi. It just... Listen, there's certain challenges that the state has. Uh, people are frustrated with a lot of this stuff. That, that, that does nothing to uh, bring confidence. Um, and I, I think also, I, I know some of those individuals. I, I'm very, very disappointed um, with uh, uh, Joe Sakachi, the majority leader, that he, he is going along with this foolishness. These people are up there to serve. For them to play this game of finders, keepers, or... It's like a game of tag, who's it, and they won't meet, and, and you have a very reasonable request. Listen, we have this organization. It's, it's not a private club. 
It's the Joint Committee Legislative Action. We, 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 we have the obligation to meet, go through spending. You know, what are we doing here? And, and this is, is so, it's childish. There's nothing good about it. Their actions are, are really shameful. And for them to continue this counteroffensive and sending people on programs, you know, and I, I'll say it right now. I thought, and I, I conveyed this to Jim Hummel, and I've known Hummel a long time, and I've watched Lively Experiment for a long time. That was a disgrace. I'm going to tell this to you, and I'll say it publicly. What went what, what on on that show where Bill Lynch was allowed to go on and attack you personally and carry the speaker's water... And what is so really insulting and disgraceful is the fact that at no point, and, and I'm, I'm going to hold Hummel accountable because he's the host of the show. Bill Lynch never disclosed that he is the counsel for Leo Skenyon. Not only he was in the fall with the Brit situation when the state police questioned Leo Skenyon, he is his legal counsel and will accompany him or has accompanied him to the grand jury going on. And on top of that, Bill Lynch's daughter was given a $60,000 a year job. I don't know her, Blair Lynch. She could be the most wonderful person. I, I, it, it's irrelevant. The point is that on, quote, public television, Bill Lynch was allowed and never disclosed. He was allowed to attack you and never disclose. He's the legal counsel for the speaker's chief of staff and his daughter, has a $60,000 a year job with this JCLS. And the reason I say that is, is it because it completely changes the dynamic of the situation and would show people, you know, exactly what his view would be. And, you know, you could be a good guy about it, but you should have been invited on that program the very next week to address what was very, very unfair talking point type attacks for the likes of Bill Lynch. Listen, I agree. You know, we, we learned early on in law school, John, that when you have the law on your side, you argue the law. When you have the facts on your side, you argue the facts. And when you have neither, you attack your opponent personally. So I almost take it as a compliment that Bill Lynch couldn't defend the speaker's actions or defend the speaker in my lawsuit to make any legal or factual arguments against what we're doing here. That he had to attack me, attack me personally. Um, it shows that it shows the strength of our law school because school uh, suit because Bill Lynch is a good lawyer. He knows the rule, and uh, the fact that he couldn't even address the merits, I think, is a compliment. You can take it, and you're taking the high road. I'm saying it shows something at a deeper root, which is they they don't care about transparency. Uh, that that was a disgraceful. I'm just telling you, in, in the element of of just journalism, to have that not disclosed, there's an arrogance there. There's a smugness there. For him to be speaking out and trying to seem impartial when he, it is impossible for him to be impartial when he is legally representing the chief of staff and then his daughter just recently got a job with that, uh, that, that is absolutely embarrassing. And I, I called and said, um, I contacted and said that I thought that it should be addressed. I'll even say on the program, and I was told, well, we don't want to draw attention to it for people that maybe didn't see it. That, that is so wrong. Journalism 101, if, if you followed that, and I'm telling you this, if you followed that within journalism, that would mean that a newspaper never runs a correction. Because they could say, well, we don't want to run a correction because maybe someone reading the paper on a Thursday didn't read the Wednesday paper, so they didn't see the error. That, that is wrong. That should have been disclosed. He had no business being on that program, Bill Lynch. He had, and I told it, he had no business being allowed free access to just go after you, go after the process, and never disclose information that would basically disqualify from someone from saying, oh, you know, I'm just giving my opinion here. What do you mean your opinion? You're, you're literally taking money. You know, but it also just shows, and before I let you go, and I don't mean to, folks, again, we're speaking with Blake Filippi. See, it shows an underlying, these guys, they play it real fast and loose with the truth. What does the media say? Speaker Mattiello is now endorsing A.B. Klobuchar. And Mattiello says, yeah, you know, I don't think Biden did that well. Well, the real truth is the Biden people said to him, thanks, no thanks, we don't want your endorsement because you're the target of a grand jury right now. I mean, there's 
the truth, and then there's the spin they put out there. That's that's what happened. The Biden people said, we don't want anything to do with this guy because he's mixed up with this business, with the audit and the convention center and the grand jury. But then what does the media report and what does Mariello say? Oh, yeah, I'm kind of warming up to this Amy Klobuchar. But the truth always comes out, John. Well. Not always. Usually it comes out. I suppose. And if you haven't been up front from the beginning, it makes you look even worse than if you had just said something. Like if Bill Lynch had gone in and said, full disclosure, dot, 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 my daughter works for JCLS, I represent Leo Skenyon, <laughs> but here's my opinion. If he had said that, it would look better yes. than what's come out. That's what, what, what has come out uh, since that interview. I, I, so, that, that's the show I would want to see. And, now, and, if he and, would and, do and, that, now you have my attention. Now, I just find and, it, as a, as a Rhode Islander, as a viewer, as a member of the media, it's incredibly insulting to allow someone access in that manner to be talking and leading the discussion and attacking people and never uh, um, exposing in, in full disclosure that your your daughter just got a very well-paid job. They, Ian, you're the legal counsel for the chief of staff. That is unheard of. But John, unheard I'm, I'm, of. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, John. Nope. I'm going to be that glass is half full here. I take it as a compliment that he had to attack me personally, and I'm going to take it as a further compliment that they couldn't find anyone else to defend the speaker. Good point. Except this one Fair guy point. who is so conflicted Good point. that you know, it all has to come out in the wash like this, and it makes them look even worse. Well, they shouldn't right. even have sent anybody in. But they couldn't find anybody else but Bill Lynch, huh, this terrible. guy who's so conflicted. It's like... I'm, I'm flattered, John, and I think it goes to show how strong our legal, legal argument is, and I'd like to thank the Speaker for doing this. You're I'd like to sport. thank the Speaker for sending in Bill Lynch because it shows how good our legal case is, and we look forward to vindication in the Superior Court. You guys are on break uh, from here and starting today and next week, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, man. <laughs> I will talk to you after the program. Okay. He I'll is House Minority Leader, Blake Filippi. I'll tell you, folks. That is, and again, I get it. Who cares? I mean, already getting email. What do you care? No one watches live. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not, that's not the point. There's something, you know, follow here. Hi there, Joe Roberts. There's something more. It, it gives insight. Boy, these guys, they're the ultimate, think they're the smartest ones in the room. And that was bad. And I like Hummel. And I'm friendly with Hummel. But that, that should have been addressed. Come on. I mean, how, how low do you want to lower the bar? You know how Hummel got that gig? Hummel got that gig because Diana Kelch couldn't host the show because Diana Kelch was filled with, with conflicts. You know, and someone asked me recently, well, maybe it was a while ago, how come you're not on live? I'll tell you, I used to appear on Live Experiment. I want everyone to hear this. Hi there, Jared. That's right. Thank you to Blake. Uh, 1243-766-1380. So I used to appear on Live Experiment. And Diana Kelch was the host. This is a true story. Diana Kelch was the host. Diana Kelch became a lobbyist. Diana Kelch was making, grabbing thousands of dollars a month for the 195 land. Ridiculous. Why? Because she employed Jim Terracani, rest in peace, who was married to Lori White, Providence Chamber of Commerce. Diana Kelch was grabbing like 10000 a month. When Chafee was that stooge governor for the 195 land. Now, if that weren't enough, Diana Kelch was a consultant on the Cicilline campaign. She was consulting the Cicilline campaign. And Cicilline was up for re-election against Anthony Gemma, right? It was, I think it was 2012. And I did a story on it and highlighted. Like, that is a complete conflict you're talking about the race. You work for the Cicilline campaign. You can't be objective in that matter. You're taking money from David Cicilline. She would make sure that he was never criticized on that program. I did a story on it. She resigned as a consultant or was dropped, either or. But then they said, you're never coming back. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous, but it shouldn't have come to that. And no one would say anything. That's a true story. No one would say, how can you sit there? If anyone went on lively and criticized Cicilline, Diana Kelch would defend him. And why? Well, she was a paid consultant or paid person, whatever it may be. 
that Lynch thing, I know it's small in nature, and people may say, oh, come on. That's a, but that, that's not the point. It, it, to me, it shows insight. And Mattiello with this Biden thing, that really shows insight. You want to talk about thinking he's the smartest one in the room. That's right, Kevin. So, um, all right, 766-1380. Terry Gorman's going to join me coming at one, a new segment on uh, illegal aliens in Rhode Island. Hey, folks, I want to remind you, boy, it's freezing out. We have a long way to go with the heating season. Call J.K.L. Engineering at 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. J.K.L. Engineering. J.K.L. For over 53 years, J.K.L.'s reputation is second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. J.K.L. They can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates on the market. They also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. J.K.L. Engineering, call them today. J.K.L. Let J.K.L. design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. They're energy efficient. They're quiet. More affordable than you think. You're saying no gas? Guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter and it cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market. Call J.K.L. Engineering today at 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. J.K.L. Engineering. Call them. Estimates are free. Financing is available. It's J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, it's John DePietro. Good afternoon. 766-1380. A lot more ahead on this Friday. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovas Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovas.com. Ma, when are we getting the heat back? As soon as... Local propane company. Delivers. Last time that took three days. At least it's not as cold as inside. I'm propane man and I got a plan. I'm going to help you with your gas. If your service is lame, we don't play that game. We're going to be there in a flash. If your heat is out, just give us a shot with a company you can trust. Friendly maintain, yeah, we keep it a green. You can always count on us. Propane Plus. Propane Plus. Propane Plus. Folks, Propane Plus, they want to be your propane supplier. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Two locations, East Greenwich, Rehoboth. It's Propane Plus for heating and cooling. Become a customer. Tim Johnson and his family want to serve you. 885-4209. Propane Plus. 885-4209 for Propane Plus. Underground tanks, above ground tanks. Full service, your one source for all your propane needs. Automatic delivery, extensive selection of tanks, propane appliances, satellite tank monitoring, locked-in rates through the PLUS plan, discounts for builders, installation and service for heaters, generators, water heaters, pool heaters, fireplaces, boilers, and furnaces. You can depend on Propane Plus. Call them today, 401-885-4209, 401-885-4209. Call them today. It's Propane Plus. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data with no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Hey, do you need a reliable plumber? You do? Well, call Victor Quartz, Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today. He's there for a plumbing emergency, 
8478 Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. Maybe you're having a problem with your drain or your pipes. Bathroom remodeling, repair and maintenance. A family-run business for over 20 years. You know, it's not easy to find a dependable, reliable, honest plumber. But I did. Hi there, Wolf. It's Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. 401 714 8478. Call Victor. 401 714 8478. You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. All right, folks, so we're back on this Friday. Good afternoon, one and all. It's John DePietro. Weekdays, we start at 11, and we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at DePietro.com. Um, Terry Gorman, one of my favorite people, is going to join me at 1. We have our new segment regarding the... Um, Illegal aliens in Rhode Island. Terry follows all the bills. Folks, we have to pay attention to this. I want to find them. Um, remember, go to depetro.com. You can read the latest now on the situation regarding um, House Speaker Mattiello in this grand jury that's going to be wrapping up. You know, and they, you know what else I meant to mention to Blake Filippi, who's a good guy? And there's no black mold. I mean, these, these guys are just so. Amazing. There was no black mold. They made that whole thing up. I want to get to the, uh, where's the Providence Journal editorial? They took a shot at me. Here it is. Let me just skim this. An independent order is crucial, they wrote. See, I, and I, I like the, well, obviously, I like the journal. I quote them every day. I read them every day. But, boy, they are way wrong on this whole situation with Mattiello. Whew. Boy, they back in the wrong horse on this one. Completely in the dark. Maybe it's that Mark Ryan. Um, I don't know him that well. I remember seeing him one time. He was with Bill Murphy at the old canteen. He didn't introduce himself. Always odd when people don't introduce themselves. Mark Ryan. He used to work at the Journal. He's a lobbyist now. He's up to his uh, behind with the cannabis thing. But let me get to, you know, there was that Journal editorial where they said, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he has asked Ramundo to arrange for an audit center. Uh, Smiley's under a cloud himself. Twin River executive testified about, um, you know, that he had threatened him. Um, state police traditionally avoid waiting in political disagreements. The governor's at war with the speaker politically. Much of the, the narrative in the media is based on the account spread by radio talk show host John DePietro that Mattiello sought the probe because he was furious about the way his friend had been treated by the center's management company. I, I stand by that. I said that. I mean, go back and check that. When did I, I, I broke that, what, January 15th or somewhere in there? I, I stand by it. And not only, you know, is, as much as the journal is attacking me with this and, and the Mattiello people and Pork Boy and some of the other, I, I, I stand by it. And obviously... It, let's just say, for, for sake of argument, if, if I was wrong on that, and this, you know, the journal saying the narrative much of the media is based on the uh, account spread by radio talk show host John DePietro, if, if I was wrong on that, here's my question for the Providence Journal. Do you really think they'd have a grand jury going on this right now? Hi there, Estelle. Do you think they'd have a grand jury going? Let's, let's just say for the sake of argument, I said that and it was totally wrong. Don't you think... If the state police started to interview people, they would come back and say, well, I guess I guess Juan, I guess DePietro was wrong. He was wrong on that. But I wasn't wrong, was I? Right? I checked DePietro.com. I put, what did Mattiello say? If anything happens to Nemours, I will stick an enema up there behind. Right? The journal, unsubstantiated. We're, we're in the middle of a grand jury here. Actually, it's coming to a close. All right, 766-1380. To the phones we go. Good afternoon. You're on the John DePietro Show. Hello. Hey, John. It's Dave. How are you doing? Very well. Go right ahead, Dave. Happy Friday. Go ahead. Can you believe that the journal has... When did the journal become an enabler for these people? 
I mean, the editorial. I mean, what is it? What does that Mattiello have on these people? Well, he's that guy, Mark Ryan, who used to work at the Journal. He's a lobbyist, and he's very tight with Mattiello. And I believe he's even in with this whole cannabis operation that Mattiello's involved with. So they, they go very, very deep. I'll tell you what the word on the street is. is. The word on the street is there are various people pushing. Right now, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Here's the, the knock on the journal. Is that um, there's an outdated law that if you want to have a public notice on a meeting, that you have to take out an ad in the newspaper to alert people about a meeting and a public notice. Now, as you can imagine, that is so outdated now, right? Who, who goes to the newspaper to check a public notice? But because of that law that some states have changed, the way it was explained to me, if Mattiello changed, allowed that law to be changed, the journal would lose $1 million in revenue. Yep. So that, that's the word on the street. Um, I, I, I don't understand because they're going to look very foolish with this whole thing. He is, I'll tell you, Dave, I mean, he, he is, a, and believe me, I, I, I can't wait for this thing to be over because I'm so tired of hearing about, I hear from guys that I used to play basketball with in, in Cranston growing up. I've, I, out of the blue, I heard from someone, I, I haven't talked to this guy, we played Little League together when I was 11 years old. Oh, I just wanted to say hi. Hey, what are you good against Nick? What are you good against the speaker? Why are you taking sides against Cranston? I, I, I can't stand it anymore. Like, they, they, they send this stuff out. It's, it's foolishness. They are running a yeah. criminal enterprise out of the third floor of the Rhode Island State House, and that is a fact. Yep. And you know what else, John, I wanted to say, you're going to have Terry Gorm, Gorm on. Yeah. Gorman, uh, Gorman. Is it, I, Gorman. You know what? I love uh, what Trump is doing in New York now with the uh, Trusted Traveler program. Yes. Tell everyone about uh, that. If you can ask Terry about that, because that's hitting it where it hurts in terms of real people who pay taxes, you know, and now they're basically going to uh, stick it to them. And, you know, other states that are going to fool around with the sanctuaries, now they're going to face the reality that they can't have it like this. Dave, tell everyone about that. So basically, if you're an uh, air traveler and you uh, pay the fee, I don't know what the fee is, maybe 100 bucks. You they take your fingerprints uh, and they sh uh, you go into the database, they do a background check so you don't have to wait in line at the airport or the line is a lot shorter. Um, New York won't share their uh, DMV data, uh, state data, uh, with the feds, and because they're basically, they have the driver's licenses now where illegal aliens can get a, a, a driver's license, so the feds have basically said, your state people, residents in your state can't participate in that program anymore, so if you're a New Yorker flying out of LaGuardia or, you know, Kennedy or any of those airports, you're going to have to wait in the long line. You know, and, and we will talk to Terry about that. I'll tell you, thank God the president is leading the way on that. Dave, thank you for the call. Folks, Terry Gorman's going to join us next hour. Again, though, go to the website, petro.com and you can see exactly what is the statue. Criminal offenses, uh, extortion, and blackmail. That is what they're looking at. As I look at this situation, it certainly seems that Mattiello will be found uh, the grand jury will come back, intent to compel any person to do any act against his or her will. And it's going to come back to, if they suspend or fire demurs, I will stick an enema up there behind. I'll stick by that.